For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Mortcast. Before we get started, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Moisee, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Um, right now is a good time to get down to Blanchard, um, get yourself a bottle of wine. Cases have gone up again, the Delta variant is, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty right now, but... Uh, Blanchard has a lot of options where you can just go down and pick up your... I mean, I went down and picked up, like, a couple of bottles of the Red Zinfandel uh, last week. And, you know, it was just in and out. Uh, it was uh, basically curbside pickup, even though I didn't order online. I just went right in, right out, got my bottles, said thank you, left. Of course, I was masked at the time. Um, but there's just other ways you could do it. You can order online. You go to bfwdenver.com. Get yourself a bottle of that 2017 Cabernet, which I know that uh, uh, I have been talking about for a couple of years now, but uh, it's really, really good. Uh, but you could get other things. You could get, uh, like I said, the Reds Inventil. That's really good. Um, you can get their Pinots, Malbecs, Syrahs, you know, got a whole bunch of, or a whole array of whites and blends and all that stuff. Uh, basically, you're the best wine bar in Denver. Go to bfwdenver.com if you kind of want to book yourself a table, if you're still okay with going down and uh, being amongst people. Um, you can also pick yourself up a bottle uh, for delivery, uh, curbside pickup, or shipment, or you can you know, go, go uh, get yourself some swag. You know, they got everything you need down there. Once again, it's where they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Moisee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Go to bfwdenver.com to book yourself a table, order a bottle, or pick yourself up some swag. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. Welcome to part two of my special series on how the 2000 to 2003 Denver Nuggets shaped the future of the organization. Um, and I'm going to start off with this statement. In a, man, in, in a certain way, Dirk Nowitzki's um, explosion of uh, his uh, talent in the uh, 2000 season kind of ruined the NBA for about about three, four years. Um, and it wasn't his fault, but it was the reaction to his, you know, his talent. It was the reaction to what he was able to do and what it did to NBA executives. By 2002, the 2001-2002 season, the, this, the team imploded. Um, we, I discussed in the last episode, Dan Issel ends up resigning in a ball of fire. Um, 
the Nuggets, and that was 20 years ago. Uh, the Denver Nuggets uh, ended up really, uh, I think, uh, who was uh, John McLeod was he the in, interim coach uh, of that team. They just finished with the 27 wins that year, and it's amazing, as I said, probably on the last podcast, it's amazing they got that much. Uh, McDice was injured, uh, out for the year, and uh, Nick Van Exel was, well, let's face it, checked out. And uh, that, that's just the way that team was. It just was not a very good team. Uh, that uh, ended up kind of stumbling to the to the end of that year. In the off season of two thousand two, a bunch, a couple of, well, actually three big moments happened. Uh, Kiki Vandeweghe, this was his first uh, since Issel resigned. This is his first year, two thousand two, two thousand three, was his first year actually fully controlling the Denver Nuggets. Um, Issel was his boss and also the coach of the team back in 2000, 2000 2001, 2001, 2002 seasons. And um, this is his, really his chance to, to put his mark on things. So he begins with a series of trades. Um, there was a trade to uh, the Dallas Mavericks where he uh, traded Rafe LaFrenz and uh, Nick Van Exel, got out from both of their contracts. Um, and it was, it resulted in the Nuggets being able to acquire some draft picks. Um, and it was really, really kind of a, a, it was one of those trades that probably, even though uh, there was another trade that's more significant, it was one of those underrated trades because it would have going to be hard to get rid of Van Exel's contract by that point. And, um... Even though I liked Nick a lot, um, it was time and for the trajectory of this team. You need to clear that up. And the friends, um, obviously, his checkered history with the Nuggets uh, need not be explored in this podcast. Um, it is unfair to call him the biggest bust in Nuggets history because that is to come. But he is uh, a player who probably was would have been served with being on a different team. Uh, during draft, the draft day, in probably his best move as a uh, Nuggets uh, general manager slash vice president, uh, Kiki Vandeweghe managed to trade Antonio McDice to the New York Knicks. Uh, the injured, still injured, Antonio McDice to the New York Knicks for the draft pick that was known as Nene. That was that as he was known at that time, Nene Hilario, who was I believe selected ninth that year, um, and that turned out to be fortuitous because Nene ended up playing for ten years for the Nuggets, um, but uh, through obviously some turmoil and some health issues, but uh, that also kind of freed. It, it, it's unfortunate because McDice, you know lost another year after he re-injured himself in preseason uh, with the Knicks that year and missed essentially two years of his career. And when he came back from that, he was never the same. He was very much, went from a above-the-rim athletic freak to largely below-the-rim bruiser. He really reformed himself but he was never the the star 
caliber talent that he was, which is really unfortunate. Uh, I, I like Antonio McDyess a lot, um, and I thought he, he deserved uh, a better arc to his career, but injuries really, really got him. But the the Nuggets were able to kind of reform the team fundamentally that offseason. And the Nuggets, with the, even with that draft day trade, the biggest moment of the 2002 offseason was Kiki Vandeweghe's obsession with finding the next Dirk Nowitzki. As I said before at the top of this podcast, Dirk Nowitzki kind of ruined the NBA for a period of years. There was this avid and dogged pursuit of finding the next Dirk Nowitzki that went on for multiple years through multiple GMs. And the the the, the guy who was leading, had the baton and was leading the charge was Kiki Vandeweghe. Rather than, and this is before the NBA really invested in truly investigated, invested in foreign scouting, particularly European scouting. Um, Dirk Nowitzki kind of was on Donnie Nelson's radar uh, with the Mavericks in the late 90s. And the Mavericks were fortunate that after a rough two years that that Nowitzki exploded in the way he did. And fundamentally in that 2000 season with dirt, with um, Steve Nash, he, he changed the course of the way people thought about basketball. I could do a whole podcast on how Dirk Nowitzki himself, not the analytics movement, how Dirk Nowitzki changed the way NBA, NBA does business. And uh, in fact, I may do that. So, just gave myself an idea on while I'm recording a podcast. Um, there is a there is a there's a way to see how how this kind of came into being. There is players drafted like Andrea Bargnani, um, even Danilo Gallinari in 2008, which is later than all these guys, was part of this Dirk Nowitzki pursuit. Um, now Gallo. Of these players that came out during the the two thousand the aughts, so to speak, uh, Gal is the only one that managed to have a substantial NBA career in the Dirk Nowitzki mold. In his pursuit to find the next Dirk Nowitzki, um, our former Nuggets player, general general manager, went with a guy who he could both think of as himself, but also be a Dirk Nowitzki, and that was. Nikolos Skidashvili, who dazzled people in pre-draft workouts. And his ability to shoot was primary among them. Now, the Nuggets had made another move in uh, hiring um, former Miami Heat assistant um, Jeff Bezdelic, who was a hard-nosed coach who rubbed players the wrong way very often, and he became, you know, he was abrasive, but he was very good at developing, and he was very, very good for uh, players who needed uh, kind of a kick in the pants, so to speak. Um, But as I've discussed in this podcast, coaches like that kind of have an expiration date, Uh, and and, and Bustillic definitely had a 
expiration date. Um, but that point aside, uh, it was in this kind of knowingly going to be awful season. And by the way, um, in the Nuggets history, in the Nuggets history, I can only think of two seasons where the Nuggets were deliberately bad. And that was 97-98, the worst team I've ever seen, and 2002-2003. Coming into that season with Skidishvili as the number five pick in the draft coming in and, uh, you know, hopefully becoming that player that Kiki Vandaway thought he could be. The Nuggets fielded a roster that was atrocious. Um, now, I have disputes with my friend Andy Feinstein on this. The worst team I've ever seen, ever, just with my own two eyes, was the 97-98 Nuggets, Bill Hanslick's Nuggets. They Not only were they uh, bad, but they were not exactly, you know, no, no offense to uh, our friend Bill Hanslick, but um, that wasn't the best coaching job I've ever seen in my life. Uh, they were not, they were just not good. And beyond that, they were, could have been, if it wasn't for Corey Alexander, they would have been the worst team in professional basketball history. Uh, they were saved from that by a guy on a 10-day contract. That tells you how bad that roster was. Second to that is the 2002-2003 Nuggets had Junior Harrington on it, Vincent Yarborough, you know, not exactly guys that are going to have a sustained NBA career. Now, Vashawn Leonard and Nene and uh, Skidashvili were on the roster too, but it was a combination of young guys and journeymen uh, deliberately done to not be good. That is, like I said, only twice in the 54 years this uh, team has been around where I have seen the team go in deliberately with the worst roster possible. It's only been twice. Think about that and put that in your pipe and smoke it. Okay. On the second half of the podcast, I'm going to kind of talk about the how Kiki Vandaway's uh, obsession with finding the next Dirk Nowitzki turned into something that only fate could rescue the Nuggets from. And I'll talk about that after I talk to you about DraftKings. Now it's time to talk about DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Everyone's favorite time of year is right around the corner, college football season. To celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players at the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right, DraftKings is offering all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts that they are offering. DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS to receive $200 in free bets when you place a bet of $1 on any college football game. That's promo code MHS to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. The 2002-2003 Nuggets were legitimately bad, as I said before. Um, one of those teams that just, 
you could you could tell was never going to amount to much. Uh, included in that was Nicholas Skidishvili. It was very clear almost from the beginning that there was a disconnect between Skida and his brain and the way he played basketball in live action. Because when he was a practice wonder, um, there are tales about uh, Skida coming into practice and never miss, missing a shot, just hitting everything. And being a guy that just could take over the practice time. Uh, and he had some moments, I remember, in preseason that year that were like, oh, that's pretty good. Um, <clears throat> there was two problems. Much like Larry Brown and uh, a for another form famous um, European player that was drafted in 2003, there was a level of, uh, I would say, mistrust between uh, Jeff Bazilic and Nicholas Kishvili. And Skeeda had a problem breaking through the rotation on a bad team in his rookie year. I believe he had a minor injury that kind of kept him out for a bit, but there was, he just couldn't break through. And a lot of it had to do with his in-game performance didn't match anything else that he did. And he was one of the first players that I think became part of that, 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 issue where they couldn't, because they were so skilled at one particular thing, Skeeta couldn't, for whatever reason, particularly in the early 2000s NBA, which was a weird jumble of, of incorporating new zone defense rules and uh, defensive three seconds into this league that was still in the 90s. And they didn't really sort that out until the late 2000s. But there is just this weird jumble of all this going on, which probably to his, to his detriment affected Nicholas Skidishvili. But another one of his problems is that, try as he might, this was not fitting in with uh, his uh, Kiki Vandeweghe's vision of the next Dirk Nowitzki. And it really, really started to bog down <clears throat> this Nuggets team. And Andy Feinstein, and I keep mentioning him, but he, he says that the best coaching job he's ever seen is uh, Jeff Bazdilic on that 2002-2003 Nuggets. Um, I think it was a great coaching job. I don't think it was the best. The best I've ever seen is probably George Carl and the Carmelo Anthony year. I don't know how that team held together, considering knowing all we know about what was going on, and I was there watching the whole thing, covering it. But the Bazdilic year was close, um, and it was uh, a great job done in really horrible circumstances. And it kind of made his bones as a coach. It was one of those things where Bazdilic kind of rode that tide a bit into the next season. The biggest moment of largely uh, uh, Kiki Vandeweghe's tenure was the 2003 draft, which was the most stacked draft we'd seen since 1996. And uh, it was his moment to get an undoubtedly elite player. 
Stan Kroenke, who doesn't like tanking, allowed Kiki Vandeweghe to assemble a terrible roster for 2002-2003 in order to get this cream-of-the-crop player in 2003. Well, the Nuggets, obviously, uh, due to their horrific luck with several different things involving the the draft, including losing a coin flip to the... uh, to the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers in order for the Cavs to get better draft odds. Of course, the Cavs end up winning the lottery that year, and the Nuggets get the worst possible position they could get, number three, which is the story of the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets came into uh, that draft with high hopes because there was LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, you know, just just those guys at the top, those four, were just, like, can't miss guys. And what the, the buzz was, was different. Kiki's obsession with finding the next Dirk, and by proxy, some have said, and um, Kiki would never cop to this, but some have said that Kiki's... Uh, Kind of, he kind of like Issel when he drafted Rafe LaFrance, seeing players who were like him. And a lot of that definitely influenced Skeeta's pick. But by the time 2003 rolls around, the Denver Nuggets had already become uh, disenchanted with Skeeta. It took one year, and he was already, I mean, Jeff Bazdelic was done with him. And by proxy, so was. Uh, so was Kiki Vandeweghe. So going into the 2003 draft, we didn't know what was going to happen. I I remember at the time, let's see, I was 25, I remember thinking at the time that the Nuggets were going to draft uh, Mello. But that the, the Pistons would probably get him, and then the Nuggets would maybe get Wade. I think that that was at the back of my mind. And truth be told, a big fan, the probably the biggest fan ever of Dwayne Wade, was former Miami Heat assistant uh, Jeff Bezdelic. And Buzz really, 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 and I do mean really, that can't be emphasized enough, liked himself some Dwayne Wade. Wade uh, dazzled him in a way that other players did not, including Carmelo Anthony. Meanwhile, in a galaxy far, far away, Kiki Vandeweghe had fallen under the spell of a big center from Europe named Darko Milicic. Uh, There is a great oral history that ESPN did in 2000, was it 2013? I think it was on the 10-year anniversary of the 2003 draft where they did a great oral history about the draft and what it was. And Kiki Vandeweghe and Joe Dumars had fallen under the workout spell of Darko Milicic. And he had come in and really kind of... The thing about Milicic was he was a big guy, he was center. But he had a bunch of skill. Um, 
that many thought could translate to the NBA. So during this during the early 2000s where the NBA is still trying to adjust to the new defensive rules and the increased spacing and all this stuff, they're still muddling their way through. They felt that a guy who could probably straddle both worlds like Milicic could get into this era of the NBA and really thrive. Because the Nuggets, until Nikola Jokic in 2015, really never had, quote, the big man as an elite player. In fact, uh, other than Dan Issel, who really was a forward playing the center spot, and really was the first stretch five. The Nuggets really never had the the dominant outside. You know, Dikembe Mutombo was the defensive force on in the Rudy Gobert sense, but they didn't have that Shaquille O'Neal, you know, David Robinson kind of guy. Uh, they didn't have Akeem Olajuwon or Patrick Ewing or anything like that. That just hasn't populated Denver Nuggets history. Unbeknownst to the general public, this was going on. Well, most of us were, me included, pining after Carmelo Anthony. I will tell you 100% I was too, because everyone had seen Syracuse win the national title. And he and uh, the real MVP of that Syracuse team, Jerry McNamara, um, were just, you know, delighting up the NCAAs, and then they won. Carmelo Anthony was one of those, along with LeBron James, one of those can't-miss guys. And slightly under the radar was Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. So while this was going on, Kiki Vandeweghe was him was having just a love affair with Darko Milicic. Let me dispel some, in, some uh, things that have uh, gone out there that I think are largely... Not inaccurate, but probably misleading. Um, Kiki would 100% have selected Darko Milicic if he failed in the Nuggets. 100%. There is zero doubt. That is how highly he was thought of. Uh, Joe Dumars was in love with Darko Milicic. People don't understand how much Milicic was... In with particularly the top of the draft, you know, understand how much Milicic was dazzling these people. But a swirling of fate happens. Dumars, through some late um, drafts, uh, excuse me, not drafts, just through some late workouts, just was like, unbeknownst to most of the other league, by the way, because it was known the Nuggets were loving Darko Milicic. Um, and this was out, by the way, this was public. This was public information. This wasn't anything that was concealed. This was 100% public. The Nuggets loved Darko Milicic. Um, so did Joe Dumars. And fortunately for the Nuggets, Joe Dumars had to pick number two through some trades that happened uh, a year before. So the defending champion, Detroit Pistons, after LeBron James, the no-brainer number one pick goes. They surprise everyone and select Darko Milicic. And that saved the Nuggets from Kiki Vandeweghe's worst instincts. Because that would have been two drafts in a row that uh, Kiki would have blown. 
Now, you could make an argument that Jeff Bazdilic was right, that the Nuggets, and this was another battle, that the Nuggets would have been better off with Dwayne Wade. I think that is probably what history has borne out to be true. Although Wade didn't really come into his own until Shaq got to uh, um, got to Miami his second year, but there is a there is a feeling that the Nuggets would have made the ultimate of all blunders. There's not a feeling; it's guaranteed fact. And the alternate history where the Nuggets drafted. Darko Milicic, instead of Carmelo Anthony or Dwayne Wade, is the darkest timeline, as the kids would say. It is the darkest, most evil timeline that would have set the Denver Nuggets back a decade. And it turns out that through a twist of fate, the one of the, the franchise-altering mood move that... Uh, Kiki Vandaway made was one that he was saved from making. And that fundamentally changed the course of the Nuggets franchise. You know, as much as Melo is, has damaged significantly his own reputation and standing in, within Nuggets fans. And then, by the way, anyone who says that it wasn't self-inflicted by Nugget for, by by uh, Carmelo Anthony is lying. Carmelo did it to himself. And if he's upset about it, which he's going on and on recently about how uh, he thinks about what if what, what had happened if he was drafted by the Pistons. Let me tell you something, Carmelo Anthony. Do you remember the 2004 Olympics? And do you remember being coached by Larry Brown? I don't think that would have gone the way you thought it would have gone. Okay? Just... Put that out there. Let that go. The, <laughs> the they they just just people don't they don't understand. Larry Brown is a, a guy that can really wear on you. And can you imagine Carmelo Anthony and the Detroit Pistons being coached by Larry Brown? End of story. Okay. But part of this is also how just how much chance comes up in those things. You know, you never think about the Nikola Jokic's of the world and going all the way down to the 41st pick in the draft and being drafted, you know, when there's a Taco Bell burrito being pulled apart, right? But there is this there is this kind of as much as we say a great planning, scouting and all this stuff. Some of it is chance. And quite frankly, you know, we should all be thankful that Joe Dumars took uh, Darko Milicic. Like I said on the flip side, this sealed the fate of Jeff Bizdelic. Bizdelic largely wasn't listened to. And this would kind of plant the seed of discontent. Um... Those of you who remember the history of the Nuggets remember that the relationship between Kiki Vandaway and Jeff Bazdelic was not a great one. Um, Bazdelic uh, is a slow-it-down, hard-nosed defensive coach. That's the way he prefers to play, and Kiki kept telling him to speed up, speed up, speed up. And that tension was always there, and that never got resolved until uh, 
Bezdelic was fired after a disappointing start to the 2004-2005 season. But that's another story. So now that you know the buildup, the Kiki Vandaway actually, and maybe this is more the story of Kiki Vandaway's brief, not brief, he was six years, or five years general manager of the Denver Nuggets. Maybe this is just a story of how Kiki set the table for the Denver Nuggets. Um, and maybe, like I said before, his two biggest moves were trading Nick Van Exel and Rafe LaFrance and uh, getting Nene in the 2002 draft. Those were really his two biggest moves outside of, obviously, drafting Melo. And then, of course, the next year he, he starts making a series of large mistakes, which involved um, <laughs> involved backing a dump truck full of money up to Kenya Martin's door and sacrificing a whole truckload of draft picks to the New Jersey Nets. Uh, that's, that's another story, but I'll talk about that later. So I hope you all enjoyed this kind of look at how the 2000 to 2003 Nuggets shaped the course of the Nuggets future. I'll be back soon with another episode. Goodbye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.